1: He takes being called a pig as a compliment because he knows that they're smarter than most dogs and people. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh
2: Scramlin. Hey, good morning to you. Welcome aboard and thanks so much for joining us here on the Midwest Farm Report. The calendar says September 2nd, twenty twenty. Still cannot believe we are in September, but I obviously have to come to grips with that. Again, my name is Josh Scramlin, and we've got a whole lot of agribusiness news for you all the way up until 6 a.m. Uh, in just moments, I'm going to be talking with Kim Bremmer. She is the executive director of Venture Dairy Co-op. There's a situation brewing in a couple of towns across Wisconsin, and basically they're putting ordinances in that are making it really difficult for farmers to haul manure through certain towns. And even if they do haul the manure through, they're making them take out bonds, essentially to ensure these roads. So Venture Dairy Co-op is saying that's illegal and I'm speaking with Kim Bremmer just moments ahead and then also later in the show right around 5.45 I'm going to speak with Greg Warrens. He is a stand-up comedian. He travels all around the country and his latest special is called Where the Field Corn Grows and it's unlike anything I'd ever seen before. His whole special is him making fun of himself for not knowing anything about agriculture. He was at a show in Des Moines, started talking about farming, realized he knew nothing about it, and he enlisted the help of a bunch of farmers all around the country to help him write his content. So we're going to talk with comedian Greg Warrens at 545. Also, we haven't done one in a couple of weeks, but we have to keep thinking about our friends in Iowa and the situation that they're dealing with after that storm rolled through about three weeks ago. So I have an update for you on that, what it's doing to the markets, how it's impacting the nation's corn crop, and then obviously the human aspect and how our Iowa farmers are holding up. So a lot going on this morning on the Midwest Farm Report. And I speak with Kim Bremer straight ahead. Can't get enough
1: farm news, the stories you hear and more, 24-7 at MidwestFarmReport.com. Stay tuned as we'll be right back. We're
3: next to Minnesota, Wisconsin has the second most cooperatives in the country. Bob Boesel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And uh, Josh, you found out that uh, that number has grown by one.
2: That it has, Bob. Josh Scramlin here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. It has grown by one as there is a new dairy co-op, Venture Dairy Co-op. And its executive director is a name that we're all familiar with, Kim Bremer. She speaks at a lot of conferences. I met her a number of times last year in uh, at Ag Inspirations, and it's interesting because not only are they just now getting to the co-op game, but they're using their plat- their new platform as a way to level against a cause that they feel pretty passionate about. There's been a few towns in Langlade and Winnebago counties that have implemented implements of husbandry ordinances, which essentially makes it illegal for farmers to haul manure through town. and they are using this new co-op and that platform to warn farmers against things like this happening in their own backyard.
4: Well, these towns have adopted these ordinances to uh, collect surety bonds, road bonds uh, on roads that farmers are using in particular to haul manure. Um, and we believe that they're unlawful. Uh, you can't really single, any, single a certain commodity out. Um, they're not all the exact same, so it just kind of depends on the township. We've seen some proposed ones in other townships where they're looking at larger dollar amounts. Um, and they're looking at per road. Some are just per township. Uh, so it really is not clear to the farmers doing business in those townships. Uh, what they can or should do. And unfortunately, farmers have been left out of the majority of these conversations, and now they're wondering, well, what are we going to do in a couple of weeks when it's time to chop corn silage and haul manure?
2: Yeah, so so let's break it down because uh, the uh, it's a surety bond, right?
4: It is. It's a surety bond just to cover any possible damage that could be done to the road by the hauler.
2: Basically, if, if a farmer is wanting to haul manure in any of these towns, they have mm-hmm. to get a hold of the township ahead of time and then basically put down money based upon which route they're going to take. Is that, am I understanding that right?
4: Um, correct. Uh, it's just a surety bond to cover any damage to the roads. But, you know, it's working on the assumption that, first of all, these roads are used by a lot of different pieces of equipment and other industries as well. So it's really unfair to discriminate against farmers, uh, particularly not just farmers, but even farmers who are hauling manure using certain pieces of equipment. Uh, When you're talking about roads, road damage comes from a lot of places and roads that get used.
5: Right.
2: And I'm just kind of trying to wrap my mind around this because a couple things. First, how would a town, unless it was really, really evident that that a farmer hauling manure did the damage? I mean, what would we consider damage? And then how would we actually be able to point at the farmer and say, OK, this happened because of them, but not because of, I don't know, the cement truck that rolled through town a couple days ago?
4: Right. The cement truck, the logging truck, the milk truck, the, any, any other type of equipment. Well, exactly. And that's part of this discussion is technically you should have a third party, uh, engineer be able to look at roads before and after. And, and again, like we're not saying that agricultural equipment does not harm roads. It's that the solution to fixing the roads has to do with long-term road maintenance, making sure farmers are part of the discussion. Um, I don't know any farmers that don't want to be good neighbors, good members of their community, uh, and they're willing to help. But putting illegal ordinances in place and holding them accountable for road damage and only them accountable for roan damage is really, it's not fair, it's discriminatory, and quite frankly, it's not legal.
2: I, I always hate to speculate uh, when I'm doing interviews, but why exactly do you think uh, these these towns would, what exactly do you think their motives might be behind this?
4: Well, I mean, that's a much better question probably for the individual towns, you know, it, otherwise we're just, we're speculating. Uh, well, one, I mean, I I think it's just, easy to ask the farmers for it um farmers tend to do what that what's asked of them you know because again we're back to wanting to be good neighbors good members of the community they typically don't ask the question like uh am i supposed to be paying this you know it's just i think it's just too easy uh and again that's just me guessing but certainly it'd be a better question for them to answer themselves but I think it's just it's too easy, and it's always assumed that the farmers will just take care of it.
2: right, and And from what I understand, you guys actually caught wind of this situation because a farmer had just said something in passing, right?:
4: Yes, exactly, uh, and or saw it another farmer called because they saw it on a on a road sign where a weight limit was posted, which we also don't think in this case was done in a legal manner, and it said it had a note about a surety bond on the bottom. But we're just driving down down the road seeing a sign
2: and then like dollar amounts as far as these bonds that we're talking about I mean are we talking you know a thousand dollars, two hundred dollars, five hundred dollars?
4: Well, I mean each one is a little bit different and it depends on their insurance company and it's you know it's maybe in a lot of cases it might be a few hundred dollars just to cover the bond uh, but then you start looking at per road that adds up when we start looking at higher amounts than $50,000, because who's to say down the road? Uh, then it's decided, well, maybe that surety bond should be more like a quarter million dollars. Then what does that look like? So it's, this, it's setting this dangerous precedent uh, that what will it look like moving forward? And if it's not legal, why would we even start it now?
2: Okay, so set it up for the folks listening. You, you've said a, a multiple times so far that you view these ordinances as being illegal. So what about them do you think are illegal?
4: Uh, well, what is legal and what they can do is if they have uh, an engineering opinion on staff saying that the road, you know, there was damage to the road due to uh, whatever happened, or that they're concerned about da- future damage to the road from heavy equipment, they can help reroute you. They can't stop you from hauling or doing business, but they can reroute you.
2: Well, because I can't help to think, I'm just thinking about any backcountry road that I've been on. There's only so many routes that you can do. I mean, this has to be a big hindrance on the farmer just trying to go about their operation.
4: Oh, Exactly, exactly. And there is some protection within our implements of husbandry, animal husbandry, a law that's out there. But um, it really it really comes down to making sure that these townships are willing and able to talk to the farmers in their community, uh, because that's been the most striking thing as we've received phone calls from our farmers and our members. is We didn't even, you know, our farmers are saying we didn't even know that they were doing this.
2: Yeah, and, and this might be dumb, but... We single in on manure. Do you think it's just because it's not the most pleasant smell that these towns are thinking, well, we got to do something about this? I mean, that that was the first thing that came to my mind is, well, these towns don't like manure being hauled through their through their city.
4: Yeah, uh, I, I'm i not exactly sure why. I, I mean, that is likely of. of probably the case that it's it's just that they don't like manure being hauled, or or maybe they don't like the particular farm, or maybe they don't like the size of a farm, or, or for whatever reason. It could be, you know, some member on a town board has an old historical opinion. I, who knows right. uh, where it always comes from, but... Uh, and I would encourage... As we know that there's townships that are looking at these, that they reach out to their local corporation council. You know, they all have access to their own legal authority, all the towns do, and really to get their opinion on it before moving forward with any of these. I mean, you don't have to take my advice. They should ask their legal authority because they will likely get the same response because we've We've seen that in one of the cases already.
2: So going forward from here, where we're at right now, what are the next steps? I mean, is it legal action?
4: Uh, Well, I mean, there can be legal action, and I think everyone would really like to avoid that uh, because no one wants to get hung up in court. And I don't think that townships and counties want to be spending their resources uh, fighting this kind of thing in court either. And neither do farmers by any means. There's solutions outside of litigation. And, I mean, at the end of the day, what do we know? We know that towns can't restrict whole classes of vehicles from operating. We know that they can't enforce the surety bonds that uh, many of these ordinances have tried to write. So uh, where do we go from here? Uh, It's back to working with your local farmers to find solutions and not end up in litigation and in court because that costs everyone money.
2: The towns of Peck, Polar, and Wolf River have all implemented implements of husbandry ordinances which Venture Dairy Co-op is saying are illegal as they are discriminatory towards farmers. These ordinances make it really difficult for farmers to haul manure through town. And as you just heard during my conversation with the executive director of Venture Dairy Co-op, Kim Bremer, they are looking to make these cities aware of why they should not have ordinances such, and they're hoping that it does not happen anywhere else. Full stories at MidwestFarmReport.com, and for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
6: There's a feeling you get when you know the alfalfa seed you just planted has a 10.4 percent average yield advantage. It's the same feeling you get when you know the silage corn you just planted was designed exclusively for silage with a focus on increased tonnage, improved digestibility, and more milk per acre on your bottom line. Around here we call that feeling Dairyland Seed Pride and it comes with having access to a full line of forages from an American-based business forages that lead the field in delivering yield, quality, and dairy success. Like Hyberforce 4400, the latest in a long-standing dynasty of alfalfas that's been outperforming the competition for generations. And our high df silage hybrids, designed to deliver the right combination of tonnage and quality so you know your cows are getting what they need to keep producing. But no matter which Dairyland Seed forage you choose to plant, you can be sure that you'll be proud you did. Are you Dairyland Seed proud? Learn more about top performing Dairyland seed forages at Dairylandseed.com.
7: Hey, hey, hey. there goes Pam Yonke in her suburban truck across Wisconsin. Thanks to Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family owned since 1965. And by your dairy farmers of Wisconsin. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin exist to be a tireless advocate, marketer, and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers by growing demand for their dairy products. Keep up with Pam on social media, Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and Twitter, and at MidwestFarmReport.com.
1: He takes being called a pig as a compliment because he knows that they're smarter than most dogs and people. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin.
2: It is 5.20 on a Wednesday morning. We'll get to Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck in a second, but first a quick note. Dairy Strong, which is the annual conference put on by the Dairy Business Association, normally takes place in downtown Madison in January. We just found out last night that it is moving to a virtual platform. It's taking place July 19th through the 21st of 2021. So again, full story at MidwestFarmReport.com. And with that, we bring in Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, we were talking about how quiet it is this morning, not just in the office, but also so outside it seems.
3: Yeah, not a lot going on. I mean that little cool front has tried to push on through. I've got a few rain amounts. How about that? Two tenths of an inch at Madison. Officially at Fond du Lac, nine hundredths of an inch. My friend John from over near Armstrong just checked in with six tenths of an inch last night. I just had a little bit in the bottom of my rain cage, but that front's pulling away. The radar not indicating anything to be concerned by should work out to be a very, very fine Wednesday. In fact, there'll be more sunshine, and this Wednesday is going to be the warm day this week. So look at what you had for high temperatures here in the last few days. Today, they will be even just a little bit warmer, and in fact, that's going to take us to a little bit above normal nothing drastic we don't have that big rush of humidity or anything but it does warm up today and then a cool front starts to swing through out of the northwest It'll pass through dry. I really don't expect in the southern half of Wisconsin there'll be any kind of a rain chance. Oh, a few clouds may pop up, but that's about it. And then we cool it off for Thursday and Friday and stay a little cooler around normal or a bit below, even as we start on into the weekend. Some small rain chances then, however, and I think as we talk about late Saturday night or on into Sunday, there could be a little shower activity in this uh, Labor Day weekend coming our way. Temperature's not overly hot or humid either. In fact, still around normal right into next week. Even cooler as we head into next week where daytime highs may actually stay just about 70 or below. I'll have forecast details right after this.
0: Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com.
8: A voice for
1: farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong.
2: If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at RuralMutual.com slash careers.
1: Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong.
2: 523 on a Wednesday morning. It's Josh Scramlin for the Midwest Farm Report talking with ag meteorologist Stu Muck. So, Stu, take it into account what you just told me. It sounds like it's getting a little fallish starting next week.
3: Well, I don't know if I call it fallish. <laughs>
2: Maybe I'm jumping the gun a bit.
3: Yeah, I remember Labor Day weekend is the county fair where I grew up, uh-huh. and by the time you got to Labor Day Monday and you were closing down the fair, it always seemed, you know, in your head that summer was over. It, it if does. It never was. But it seemed that way.
2: yeah, it does. And normally this is when college football would be starting up, and it i'm I'm just I'm in a fall mindset, but knock some sense into me.
3: All right, let's talk about today. It'll take it all off your mind. Sunny skies today on a really fine day. A lot of upper 70s in eastern Wisconsin and in the south, and then 80s. I'd say lower mid-80s at La Crosse. It is going to be warmer in western Wisconsin with the west winds about 5 to 10. We stay clear overnight, fall back toward the upper 50s. West winds becoming south about 5 to 10. More sunny and breezy on Thursday. Really a fine day in the upper 70s. Southwest winds 8 to 18 and gusty become northwest in the afternoon. And then by Friday, sunny, a little cooler. Mid-70s, west winds at 5 to 10. Mid and upper 70s with the sun on Saturday, Josh. Sounds like a great way to get a big weekend underway.
2: That it does. All right, well, we'll catch up with you tomorrow morning, same time, same place, okay? All right, have a great day. Yes, you as well. That is Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck. Hey, don't forget, for all your farming news, you can always go to MidwestFarmReport.com. Again, that story that we just put up about the Dairy Strong Conference going completely online. You can find that right at the top of the homepage. And for the Midwest Farm Report, my name is Josh Scramlin.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with
6: Pam Youngke. There are all kinds of reasons why
8: your yard can end up with high spots and craters.
9: It's like walking on the moon.
8: Repairing it is as easy as having Kalani Topsoil deliver the perfect blend of dirt to smooth out your lawn, leaving you with the most eye-catching, earth-friendly landscape on the planet. Mission accomplished. Visit KalaniTopsoil.com. Take it from a worm. Trust the
7: guys who know good dirt.
8: Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt.
1: At Wiffle's Hybrids, our family recipe for success has been handed down for three generations. Take two parts high-performing hybrids, mix with one part unmatched quality, then finish it off with our secret sauce, superior customer service. Some people may say it's impossible to get the best hybrids from an independent family-owned company, to which we'd say, have your cake and
10: eat it too. Mmm, Wiffle's Hybrids, quite possibly the best hybrids you can buy be the light. That's my motto. Hi, I'm Scott. Proud employee with EverReady Electric for over 20 years. We want you. Yes, you. We're hiring for journeymen or master electricians. Full-time with a hiring bonus of $1,500. Why? Well, we get that transitioning from one job to another has costs, and we're here to support you in a new comfort zone. Join our team and apply online, or call and ask for Linda. She'll amp you up. We're EverReady.
9: Right about now, you're probably saying, Lazy Boy, they just have recliners. It's okay. Everybody says that at first. Well, don't let this get around. Lazy Boy has more than recliners. Hmm, I don't know if I should say this out loud. Lazy Boy has more than recliners. But it's as if there's an inner voice telling me that I should share this important information with you. Yes, That's me. Lazy Boy just isn't recliners. Well, against my better judgment. Are you kidding me right now? Lazy Boy has more than recliners. Finally! Dining room, bedroom, entertainment centers, tons of accessories. And when you shop at Lazy Boy, professional interior design is free. Oh, did i say that out loud totally redo one room or redo the whole home you can get it all at lazy boy like i always say lazy boy has more than just recliners
7: lazy decorators love lazy boy home furnishings and decor madison east springs drive near east town mall
9: is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone you are not alone a skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at Prairie.com.
5: There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds,
9: his lungs weren't ready. His heart wasn't ready. His parents could only hope that one day he would leave the hospital healthy and they would all live happily ever after. Daniels is just one of the more than 500,000 stories of babies born prematurely last year. You can help the March of Dimes stop premature birth and bring more babies home healthy. Learn how at marchofdimes.com. Working together for stronger, healthier babies.
11: All right, so we were talking a little bit about the Milwaukee Bucks. What is your level of concern for the Deer as they take a loss last night? It was the Jimmy Butler game, man. Jimmy Butler was a man possessed. 40 points, game high. He has become the fourth Heat player in franchise history to score 35 or more points in a playoff game. Dwayne Wade did it like 19 times. LeBron James did it in the low teens. Tim Hardaway did it once, and now Jimmy Butler has done it once. So Jimmy Butler dominated, especially third and fourth quarter. 15 of his 40 came in the fourth. Giannis kind of a – he was almost had a triple-double, but Giannis wasn't himself. Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez were the engine that made the team go in the first half. There was no Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe was hurt. With that hamstring injury, they definitely could have used him and my guy, my guy Ersan Ilyasova. But Bucks now lose 115-104. to 104. First quarter was great for Milwaukee, and then it just kind of unraveled as the Heat just kind of had their way. Jimmy Butler had his way. But this is the second straight year now that Milwaukee has lost their first game of the Eastern Conference semis. If you remember last week, the Bucks fell to Boston in game one, and then they cranked off four in a row as Paul Pierce... He's the one that said it was over once the Celtics won game one. So what is your level of concern? I said slight concern. I'm looking at the poll right now. No concern, slight concern, very concerned. Or if you're one of those guys or girls that say you don't care at all anymore, what is it right now leading the way? Slight concern has now taken the lead with 30.9%. Very concerned second place. I don't care at all is third and no concern is fourth. Rowdy, you voted in slightly concerned. Yeah, I, voted, I think you're under the belief that the Heat are going to win this series. Though.
8: Yeah, I voted slightly concerned, and that's coming from the perspective that I think the Miami Heat win this in seven, mm-hmm. but it's in seven games, right? Yeah. Anything so can happen in a seven it's game. Going to, it's going to go the full amount. And I would just say if you were a Bucks fan, you'd be slightly concerned because you lost game one, but there's a lot of uh, series left to play.
11: Yeah, as the Bucs fan that I am, I am slightly concerned just because... You know, you don't you don't ever want to see your team lose, especially in the playoffs. And when you got kind of manhandled in the second half, I mean, Jimmy Butler looked phenomenal. He was really, really good. Forty, I mean, he had forty points, just a man possessed. Fifteen in the fourth quarter, like I said. Well, Jimmy Butler
8: is like that dog that he's you that want on dog. your team. He's the guy that wants the ball. Yeah, he's going to score the ball or over. at least do his very best. And he's just that cold blooded killer. They were talking about how Giannis and his family, and it was nice to have him in the battle the bubble Jimmy Butler's like absolutely not I don't want my family here this is a business trip I'm going to win this damn championship and I don't need any distractions around me I kind of want a guy like that on my team so not saying that anything's wrong with you fault you fault I like that do you fault Giannis for wanting his like three-month-old son down there I just said nothing not (laughs) like there's anything wrong with family but I want a guy that is in business mode no distractions serious face let's go win a title
11: now as I don't have any kids but if I had a three-month-old, I would not want to be away from him or her. If I had a three-month-old, I would not want to be away from that kid at all. I would prefer to be, you know, by my newborn baby. So I get why Giannis would want his family down there. I, you know, as parents, I think you can understand that you would not want to miss, especially the early, early stages of your child's development. So Giannis, obviously with his girlfriend and his baby oh, down there.
8: Jimmy Butler does have a child. Oh, does he? That's less than a year old. But
11: Jimmy Butler's just Jimmy Jim Butler's Brady. a different animal. He's a different. He is that dog. That's a guy you don't want to contend he with. He is that dog. So yeah, looking at the Bucks though, the Bucks the first the first quarter looked phenomenal for the Bucks, but it's the NBA. The first quarter you can kind of throw that out with the bathwater. What well, really nut cutting time comes in the third and the fourth quarter. So the Bucs just didn't show up. It's uh, the energy was lacking. It just seemed like you could just look at the bench. The bench of the Bucks was very nonchalant. When there's no crowd and there's no home court advantage, you need every little bit of energy you can get from any any breathing entity in that stadium. Cuz let's be honest, the virtual fans, they're kind of do you even would you even notice that they're there? I I'm not obviously not in the court. I'm watching the game. I tune them out. I don't even notice that they're there. It's 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 a TV screen. Of a glitching of a glitching fan that maybe or maybe not freezing uh, from the internet
8: connection. Well, I mean, I've had this take from the start. The virtual fans stink. Yeah, I mean, yes, they. they, s- they stink. Why they're even there? Who knows?
1: A man that knows any food tastes better when deep fried and served on a stick. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. It's
2: 535 on a Wednesday morning. September 2nd is the date. Thanks so much for tagging along here on the Midwest Farm Report. Right now I'm sitting behind the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk. In just about 10 minutes, I will be speaking with Greg Warren. He is a stand-up comedian who recently released a special on Amazon Prime that does nothing but make fun of himself for not knowing anything about agriculture. So stick around for that. Also, we're going to check your markets in the next seven or eight minutes. But before I get to that, I cannot go forward without talking about our friends over in the Hawkeye State. Iowa was absolutely devastated, especially Iowa farmers, by that storm that rolled through a few weeks ago. And we've seen it in the USDA reports. We've seen how devastated the corn is there. But I can tell you that I just drove through Iowa this past weekend, and to actually see it firsthand Um, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but especially around the Cedar Rapids area, I could not find a crop of corn that was not completely bulldozed. It's sad, and we haven't updated you on it for a little bit, so I thought that for this we could bring in our good friend Michael Clements, and Michael has an update for you on our friends in Iowa. Michael? The derecho event cut an 80-mile swath across Iowa, impacting roughly 14 million acres of crops and severely damaging 4 million acres of corn, while soybeans appear to be recovering. Iowa Farm Bureau President Craig Hill says the damage is devastating.
10: Many of our fields are flattened, grain bins destroyed, buildings, roofs were lost, some homes of course, lost siding and, and roofs as well. Power lines destroyed cell service, internet service was all lost. We had 500,000 homes without electricity, and some were still without after about 10 days of extensive repairing.
2: Hill says harvesting down corn is difficult, and finding storage for harvested crops will be a challenge going forward.
10: Machines will be slowed, and many of those machines were damaged in their buildings, so a lot of our harvesting machines aren't going to be ready. 57 million bushels of commercial storage and probably 60 million of farm storage has been lost. And we'll be cleaning up for a year or two, so these structures will not be replaced immediately.
2: From flooding last year, a pandemic this year, and now a derecho, Hill says those events are changing Iowa agriculture permanently.
10: These events have taken a broad swath out of Iowa, stashed the hopes of a lot of our farmers. Some will be able to recover, others will not. We will depend a lot on insurance and disaster relief. But this will be years before we recover completely, and some farmers will take this opportunity to retire or find a career somewhere else other than the farm. Michael Clements, Washington.
2: All right, Michael, thank you for that. And what I can tell you from what I saw firsthand when I was driving through Iowa this past weekend, and it was very sad to see farms that had had the siding ripped off the barn or the corn was completely beat to tar or the grain bin was tipped over. It was really sad stuff And obviously there's the human aspect to it, and I never want to forget about that. But yesterday when market advisor John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson joined me on this very show, I asked him, what does the devastation in Iowa do to our corn?
12: You know, as we start looking at the big picture, and again, it's a brutal situation for those people involved, and and, you know, I feel for them, and at the same time, when we start talking about the national supply of corn that's out there, you know, even losing two, three, 400 million bushels in that region, it still keeps production relatively heavy. You know, still around that four, four excuse me, 15 billion bushel mark. When you put that into the tables, you put that in with the demand and the concerns that we have on the demand side of the equation, it still keeps the corn pile fairly heavy. You know, and we got to understand the process that we go through as the USDA starts working the reports here in the fall. The next one, again, on September 11th, you know, they're not going to take yield down from 181 uh, all the way down to like 175 five in one report. Usually it's going to be a step-by-step process. And with that, that's going to keep the supply side still looking relatively full. And that's going to keep pressure on prices. I shifted to a little bit more of a defensive mindset. I thought the 360 level here would would hold December corn as so far it has. Uh, You know, I hope it goes higher, but at the same time, I want to be a realist about where we are in terms of bushels and making sure producers are catching up on some sales or building some defensive strategies in here because we're still going to have a decent pile of corn. And then we still got to answer the demand side of the equation and what happens there. If prices go higher, demand typically goes down and, and corn unlike beans is more of a global crop, and we've got a lot of competition internationally uh, for those bushels to go overseas.
2: Again, we're thinking of our friends in the Hawkeye State over in Iowa. My name is Josh Scramlin. I'm sitting behind the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri News Desk right now, and we'll take a look at your opening markets in just a moment.
0: Being a member owner pays at Compure Financial. As a farm credit cooperative, Compure's member owners share in the profits, and this year, member owners will receive $177 million back in patronage. Talk with your local Compure team to learn how the patronage program helps member owners reinvest in their operations and local communities. Learn more at Compure.com backslash patronage.
7: Compure Financial, ACA, is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Patronage allocations, redemptions, and payments remains at the discretion of the board directors based on a combination of factors including the risk in portfolio, earnings, and current capital position.
0: Hi, I'm Julie Bowen for the March of Dimes, asking you to help save premature babies. As a mother of three healthy boys, it makes me sad to think that more than a million babies around the world die every year because they're born too soon, and that our country has one of the highest rates of infant death of any developed country. Let's work together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com to find out how you can make a difference in your community and around the world.
1: He can smell fried cheese curds from 15 miles away. This is the
2: Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. We'll take a look at your markets momentarily, but first, a look at your agribusiness news. 2020 has been a difficult year for the ethanol industry. House Ag Committee Chairman Colin Peterson says aid for the industry is contained in the House Passed Heroes Act, which they are trying to reconcile with the Senate COVID-19 relief bill. Peterson says the industry needs some assistance as soon as possible.
10: We have a serious crisis
13: with ethanol plants. There's $2.3 billion in there for payments to the ethanol industry at 45 cents a gallon during a base period from January to April. And if the plant was shut down, they could use the base period from the year earlier. That's something I think
10: that's really needed. I'm I'm very concerned about these plants staying viable and being able to stay in business going forward.
2: The Minnesota congressman says getting the ethanol industry going in the right direction would be a big boost for the price of corn.
13: These corn prices are in the tank because of the lack of demand in ethanol. That's one of the main problems. And these waivers that have been handed out by the administration, I think, are unwarranted. And I've been going back and forth with them in terms of explaining to me why it is they gave out these waivers and what the rationale was. And I've still not found any information. They haven't given me any information about why they did this.
2: And now taking a look at your opening markets from Chicago. September corn is at 3.49 and a half. That is up a cent. And December corn is up a quarter of a penny at 3.58 even. While September beans clock in at 9.55. That's up three and three quarters of a cent. And November beans are up one and a quarter at 9.54 and three quarters. September wheat is up 11 and a half cents at 5.55. And three quarters, while December wheat is up 11 and three quarters of a cent at 564. As for the fluid milk contracts, September milk is at 1585, that's up 17 cents, and October milk is up 36 cents at 1822. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with
7: Pam Youngke. The battle to generate more revenue could be as simple as a free IT assessment from Compel Consulting. You'll receive a customized report detailing opportunities to reduce risk, lower costs, increase productivity, and revenues. Compel Consulting simply wants to help you make more money. Schedule a free technology assessment with Compel today and be more productive tomorrow. Visit compellednetworks.com. Compel Consulting professional IT solutions, just like having family in the IT biz. Hey, there goes Pam Yonke in her suburban truck across Wisconsin. Thanks to Cleary Building Corporation. They protect what you value. Visit ClearyBuilding.com to see the Cleary difference. Equity Livestock Co-op. Marketing your livestock, financing your operation, and supporting the livestock community. And Wisconsin Farm Bureau, the state's largest general agriculture organization. Join now at WFBF.com. Keep up with Pam on social media. Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and Twitter. And at MidwestFarmReport.com.
14: Battles aren't won solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within. Over enemies of fear. Enemies of doubt. In that place where promises are kept. Promises to oneself.
13: This is a physical training effect!
14: Promises to one's community.
1: Healthy people move debris out of their
14: house. Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise. A promise forever kept. A promise of battles won. A man
1: that knows any food tastes better when deep fried and served on a stick. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin.
2: This is a pretty interesting premise. Imagine knowing absolutely nothing about agriculture and instead of doing what most people do and just not telling anybody that they don't know anything about something, you create a comedy special based around just how little you know about farming. That's exactly what comedian Greg Warren did with a brand new special called Where the Field Corn Grows. And it is a comedy album all about agriculture. And he's not making fun of agriculture. If anything, Greg is making fun of himself. So I'm joined by Greg right now. And this is such an interesting premise to a comedy special slash album. How'd you even come to decide you wanted to to focus in on this?
13: Well, I, I was doing a show in Iowa about three years ago in Des Moines, Iowa. And there's a lot of farmers in the crowd. And uh, I innocently asked this guy, what do you farm? And he said, beans. And I said, you mean like green beans? And the whole place started laughing at me like I was the dumbest person in the He Hey, thanks. We go green beans in Iowa. Oh, that's a good one there, green beans. Green beans in Iowa. Don't get me at all. It was soybeans. You know, of course, you know that. It was soybeans. But, and I didn't know. By the way, I mean, green beans, that's not that ridiculous of an answer. It's, it's a real food. I, I've eaten them. I, I didn't say jelly beans, okay? I, I didn't say Mexican jumping beans. I said a legitimate vegetable. And then, um, some. you know, and after the show, this really nice lady came up to me after the show. She goes, hey, I'm a farmer. She goes, don't feel bad about the beans. She said, I met this guy the other day. He didn't know the difference between field corn and sweet corn. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. What, 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 what a dummy, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, and then I learned, you know, they told me field corn is what the, the animals eat, and sweet corn is what we eat. And um, you know, once once they explained it to me, it was easy to remember because uh, you know, there's a little trick I learned. Field corn is grown in a field, whereas sweet corn is grown in a field. So it's that you 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 the farmers make it real easy for you understand. So, anyways, I you know I told that story, and it just started little by little adding more and more stuff about farming and about how I, I, I should know more about farming. And I um, I actually uh, eventually went out and I uh, I talked to a lot of farmers. I, I, uh, a lot of farmers were nice enough to invite me out to their farms, and I uh, kind of hung out for a little bit, and they were they couldn't have been more gracious. That's a long-winded answer to your question.
2: <laughs> well, that's okay. Now, I have to say, how was your time going out on, on farms? Because that's one of my absolute favorite things to do. do. They're some of my favorite people. Aren't they amazing?
13: Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they, they were so accommodating and uh, really bright, really bright. You know, they're just like CEOs of these big companies. Big, like, I didn't really, you know, when, when you factor in the weather and everything that they're up against, they're these a very big, risky company. Um, they, and they, they, they were so not like, and I was such an idiot. I, I called this one guy one time. He was really nice, and I asked him, I said, uh, I said, hey, when I get there, are the crops still going to be up? That's what I asked. Are the crops going to be up like they were Christmas decorations? Uh, he, he said, I, I think you mean have we harvested yet? No, we haven't. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they were they were great. You know, I learned all kinds of stuff.
2: Well, yeah, and you're going to have to come up to Wisconsin sometime because with all the dairy cattle up here, that's kind of the specialty. Uh, Comedian Greg Warren is along with us right now. He has a new special on Amazon Prime where the field corn grows. So I'm looking at some of the bits that you do. I see there's one called beans and corn. There's one called the FFA. There's one called cover crops, just to name a few. So how would you figure out what exactly you were going to focus on?
13: It it, sort of, and uh, forgive the pun, it happened uh, organically. Uh, (laughs) I kind of... It's really hard to sort of set out and be like, "I'm going to write jokes about this." You just kind of live your life, and um, and hopefully you observe something. And uh, you know, I-, I thought if I went to farms, I would maybe pick up a thing here or there. And you know, and, and some of the farmers are like, "Hey, what's what, what's going to be in the act?" I'm like, "I don't know yet," and I have to process. It. Like, you know, ninety percent of what you hear is like, that's not going to make a really great comedy bit but um it gives you a little bit of context and background and um like the ffa bit that happened before i even thought i was going to talk about farming i i was in indianapolis doing a show and i just happened to be surrounded the, the ffa national convention was in indianapolis there was fifty thousand future farmers of america in, in in downtown indianapolis i was surrounded by blue corduroy the, the, the whole week so I, it, it just kind of worked out that way.
2: It, see, this, this is so interesting to me because uh, just to break it down for people, this is a comedy album and special that you created because you decided you know nothing about farming. So the thing I like about this is that you're not condescending in any way. You're literally admitting that you know nothing about agriculture.
13: Yes, and it's, um, you know, and and I, and, I, and from a guilty place. Like, I, I live in Missouri. I, I, I live in the suburbs of St. Louis, so, but if I drove, really 45 minutes in several directions, I would be in the midst of several farms. So I should know more. I I really should. But, uh, you know, and the setting is so beautiful. You you know, like, it's just peaceful when you get out in the the middle of these fields and you see cows and you see all this green and it's like, why am I not out here more?
2: Yeah, and you filmed this special in the Midwest, Edwardsville, Illinois, which i I have to be honest. I had to look at it on a map, so that's not far across the Mississippi River from St. Louis. So you had to have have some some farmers in the audience that night, right? I
13: stacked the audience. I stacked it. I I chose. I wanted to be somewhere near St. Louis because um, that's where I live, and I, I I've got a lot of fans and and friends and family that I would love that I wanted to be at the special. But I didn't want it. I wanted it farm adjacent. I guess I I should say and. and Edwardsville, Madison County, Illinois. It's Southern Illinois. It's, it's uh, you know surrounded by a lot of farms. And I, I uh, this guy, Mister sievers owned a, a farm equipment company. And I was like, I kind of partnered up with him. And I was like, Hey, how can we, uh, how can we get farmers to come to this thing? I one of my buddies uh, who works, he sells insurance uh, to a lot of farmers. This guy T Bone, he, uh, I go, Hey, man, if I get you like a really nice bus. And uh, we stock it and everything. And I, I, I get these guys tickets. You know, will you bring a bunch of farmers up? So he, you know, there's like a town, Sparta, Illinois, that was about an hour away. He just brought in all these farmers
4: for one of the shows.
13: And uh, and if you if you watch the special, the last as the credits roll, we interviewed several farmers on their way in and out of the uh, of the special. So you can see farmers sort of. Uh, you know, we ask them what they grow, and then. A lot of them say some you know sort of funny things about how they never heard of me or anything like that. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. All right, well, go ahead and uh, plug the special because uh, you, you, you know it, it's a, it's an audio album, but also it's on Amazon Prime right now. So, uh, how exactly can people find it in whatever form it may be? Well,
13: I mean, the best way now it's it's a lot of places, but right now probably the easiest way to remember is it's on Amazon Prime. So, if you're a Prime member, if you have a Prime membership, it's free. If you don't, I think it's like five bucks to rent to watch on Amazon, and then the, it's it's available now on a lot of other like uh, Apple TV and iTunes and uh, Google Play, a lot of places like that. But I think the easiest place to get it is is Amazon Prime would be the easiest way.
2: All right, and then this is something I'm curious about: who will enjoy it more, farmers or non-farmers? Man, that's a good question. I think um, I think
13: farmers might enjoy it just a little bit more because I, I think there's a little bit of inside stuff there um i think they will i mean i I'm, i've always been very self-deprecating as a, a comedian so i think they're going to be like oh this guy's you know he's just he's making fun of himself most of the time and, um it is it's also uh it's family friendly um which uh during sort of i've learned during uh covid times it seems like there's a lot of like Family appointment, viewing time, like, hey, we're all going to sit down as a family a couple times a week and watch something together. So you can watch it with your kids. Um, it's, it's, uh, And I promise that doesn't mean it's lame. There is an edge to it. It's, your, it's, not, it's, it's appropriate, is what I'm
2: saying. No, I totally get it. Fun for the whole family, but uh, as you said, still has a little bit of edge. That's comedian Greg Warren. His brand new ag-focused album, Where the Field Corn Grows, is available on Amazon Prime. You can also get it on all digital audio platforms. And he's not making fun of agriculture. He is making fun of himself and pretty much society about how little they actually know about farming. So, I'm going to have to uh, probably watch this tonight. So anyway, more details can be found at MidwestFarmReport.com. And also, don't forget, it is at MidwestFarmReport.com that you can see all the details on the Lodi Wisconsin Heights FFA Alumni Auction. That is taking place online right now up until September 13th. So you've got just under two weeks to get on there and bid for an amazing cause. And also, they are looking for items to be consigned to the auction. So if you have anything sitting around that you think might garner some money for the FFA, you can also do that as well by going to midwestfarmreport.com. Report